This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Rose Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast, Rog. Oh, hungover Men in Blazers podcast. Are you hungover? I'm feeling it. Dave. I'm having one of those miracle days, Roger. I drank, I went hard last night. Yeah. Because you know what, it was it was a Tuesday, but I feel great today. You look I've, great. I've, I've rescued one. You look today. great. I woke up this morning in the middle of the night, thinking, "Oh, I'm going to wake up with a hangover in the morning." And I woke up this morning. I just felt great. I've dodged it. The sky was blue, ready to go. I had a party yeah. last night, uh, which I'd organised in honour of Everton's League Cup victory against yeah. Southampton. Mm. Which turned into a, a week for Everton's League Cup failure. Yeah, against the Carabao Southampton. Cup. And I'll just say, I'm uh, I'm feeling a little I'm feeling a little tender. There's yeah. there's, there's a lot of nerve points. Yeah. For Roger, I'm looking forward to you pushing them all. In yeah, the next, I will. Uh, I'll be pushing them. Quite a week for Men in Blazers, David. Wayne Rooney. Oh, what's that? In the panic room, Rog. In person. Yeah, we believe it was Wayne Rooney, not a Wayne Rooney impersonator. Oh, it, it was. Even if it was a Wayne Rooney impersonator, yeah, I will say it was an honour to have that Wayne Rooney impersonator. Do you in know the panic what the room. team are all talking about? How many coats Wayne Rooney wore into the panic room? He wore a lot. Yeah, he had one of these blazers that had a um, that had like a anorak kind of baked into it, and yeah. it was zipped up. I think there was another layer underneath. There were just many, many layers, probably of protection, which he did need. We went deep. When I left Embassy Row yesterday evening, it was about seventy-seven degrees outside on the street. Yeah, it was not really single coat weather, let alone multiple coat weather. Yeah, but he brought it. He brought the blazers. He brought the emotion, uh-huh. and it was an it was an incredible honour, honestly, to spend the afternoon with Wayne. We relived the entire span of his career, goal for goal, <laughs> moment for moment, from when he broke through as a sixteen year old for Everton, yeah, as a snarling ball of aggression, a force that is just oh. And anyone that saw him back then will will just nod as they remember this. He was a force that was just impossible to ignore on the field. We lived his highs with United in that front three with Ronaldo and Carlos Tevez when they can just obliterate opponents seemingly at will. I've got to admit, Davo, I said this to Wayne when we were done. I said, I found it incredibly emotional to relive so many of those moments. You know, just watching his goals, the pile driver against Newcastle, the overhead kick in the derby against City, even his 16-year-old stunner for Everton against Invincible Arsenal. I found it emotional. The emotions I connect to those memories, the life emotions, and I only lived through them passively as a fan. Wayne actually made them all happen. I'm less a Wayne Rooney observer than I am an observer of Roger Bennett observing Wayne Rooney. On this podcast, that era of Wayne Rooney was the Wayne Rooney at Manchester United era. The Wayne Rooney... Which I said to him, by the way, Wayne, when you went to Manchester United for $34 million, which was a lot of money back then... I'll, I'll admit, I found it very hard yeah, to oh, watch you, you did, to begin with. You did. Wayne Rooney, his declining powers uh, as an England player. And I'm not sure there was a player for whom aroused as much of emotion. But it's funny, within the last year, starting pretty much with Wayne Rooney deciding to go back to Everton where you posted the picture of him on the, <laughs> on the back of a unicorn. Oh, you can always come home, Wayne. his Everton years. But still, still it was not... We weren't in the whole Wayne Rooney retrospective of his entire career. What an incredible player he was. That was Everton's failure, not Wayne's last season. But now... West Ham. But Joe now Hart, that Wayne has, line, has, like you, come to America, has followed you in your path, that yep. you feel that it's reversed, that you always chase Wayne, and now Wayne is chasing you the no, other direction. he's apparently applying for citizenship. He'll be starting for the US men's national team in 2022. And now that he's at DC United, your whole countenance towards Wayne has entirely, it's entirely humanly changed. Redemptive. It's humanly redemptive to have watched Wayne come over here with a team that were rock bottom and crap and meant to be terrible and meant he was just meant to play golf and enjoy himself and kind of run <laughs> around a bit and, and be, be like a, an animal in the zoo. And instead, he's taken this young team and said, come on, we are going to do this. He's transformed them with his force of will. You know, he's, he talks about it. I can't, you know, run at the pace uh, that I could, that burst of speed. But he, he has lifted this team, both with his play and as a leader from day one. I think there's something incredibly humanly redemptive about what he's done over here. And he said himself, I mean, this, this is going to be a Wayne Rooney special 
which is going to air on October the 22nd, roll on October 22nd, roll on on NBCSN. And I'll just say that at the end of it, he talked about, we, I showed him a clip of him as a 16-year-old scoring for Everton in an FA Cup youth final 2002, where he lifted up his Everton jersey and underneath had written famously on a T-shirt, once a blue, always a blue. And I said, Wayne, does that seem like yesterday to you or like half a lifetime ago? And he said, it feels like both. He said, there's been so many highs. There's been a lot of lows. He said, it's always the lows that really stay with you, but they also shape you in your approach to life. And I will say the interview that we did yesterday was a long interview. I think it's probably one of the best things we've ever done. It's in J-Dub's hands now, and I can't wait for it to air and the reaction to it. Yeah, no pressure, J-Dub's. I mean, it's just interesting that this is a player that used the word redemptive, which I totally understand and I totally get, that this is a player, one of the leading Premier League scorers of all time. Second. One of leading the United leading United scorer of United all time. Scorer leading of all England time. scorer of all time. And yet, needs redemption in Major League Soccer. And that, by the way, and that's not a criticism of the point. That's saying that that is something about Wayne Rooney and about how the lows ended up defining him more often than the incredible highs which he had throughout his whole career. In the great times and in the bad times, uh, he said he only knows one way to play, which is all in and absolutely flat out. And I will say it was astonishing for me, who's lived his career, to see him again as a 16-year-old, that pace, that power, oh, that so anger, bouncy. that he fury. Was taught, he was taught. He was so tightly wound with, with just <sighs> bounciness and aggression. And ability and confidence, all those things. One of the single most potent Premier League players I've ever seen with my own eyes. Yeah, without a doubt, Rog. Okay, it is time to announce... Sorry, what's that? October 22nd? Can't wait for that. NBCSF. It's, it's time to announce the winner of our EA Sports FIFA cover contest. Oh, we received hundreds. moment of the year. Ne- maybe thousands of amazing creative entries this year, Rog. But the winner, who will receive a copy of the brand new EA Sports FIFA 19 for a game system of their choice... PlayStation, is Nick Roan, who created <laughs> the Phil Jones face edition, Rog. I mean, how do we describe this entry? It is, um, it's cut into, I believe, quadrants and four classic Phil Jones what faces. What you call in England is gurning. It's an art of yeah. just like contorting the face in Mr. Beanish kind of pantomime vaudeville astonishment. Well, beakerish. And I think what's, to me, what's really impressive about this entry is he could have probably got some more impressive faces by taking Man U in their away kit, perhaps taking Phil Jones when he was playing for England. Every single (laughs) shot is Phil Jones in a Premier League Manchester United home red jersey. So it just gives it this great design. So quite apart from comedically what it is, it just is aesthetically pleasing, despite the presence of Phil Jones' gurning face. And on the right, you have Beaker just Cropping out the bottom right corner, just saying four out of five meeps. Yeah. Which meeps. just absolutely captures it. I will say, Netflix, I know you're listening. Yeah. Looking at this cover, which we'll post along with the other eight winners of a FIFA 19 game for the the system uh, of their choosing. I'll say my favourite was the Olga and Vera 100-year-old Manchester City <laughs> fan edition by Alexi de Mendoza at Sports with Alexi, which shouted out, double tap to cry which is a feature that I think FIFA should incorporate next year for sure in every single game. But I do think Netflix, I know you're watching, give Phil Jones a comedy special. Oh, my word. That could be good. We're going to post all... He wouldn't actually have to speak. He'd do it all in mime. (laughs) He could just make faces. We're going to post all of the winners uh, on meninblazers.com. I will say I've been playing a ton of FIFA 19. When when FIFA comes out, it's possibly one one of my happiest weeks of the year. This FIFA, though, it's got Champions League mode. There are so many wonderful, thoughtful changes, especially in career mode. When your player gets a leg injury, Mm -hmm. he's now stretched off. They have four stretcher bearers come on to the field. And I'll say this right now. Yeah. My 2019 big life goal, it's to be one of the stretcher bearers in next year's version. (laughs) Me and you. Yeah. That would be genius. Make it happen, FIFA. Yeah. God, that would be excellent. Yeah, no, there's the, the play just gets more and more realistic. The way the ball moves, the way the ball travels, the way the players move. Another big piece of EA Sports FIFA news that Raven Newsletter subscribers will already know about. Our celebrity GFOP foothead oh. auctions are now live on eBay. This summer, as we toured America, we asked celebrities like James Corden and Waka Flocka 
how they would rate on EA Sports FIFA 19 together. We came up with a player rating for each. We also got them to sign physical foothead graphics custom made here in the crap part of Soho. You can bid on these signed beauties now by going to meninblazers.com. Please dig deep. All proceeds are going to Hope for the Warriors, that incredible veterans, non-profit benefiting service members and their families, oh, Rog. I love Hope for Warriors. Be generous, GFOPs. Okay, now into our Ryder Cup recap. Yeah, let's go. No, no, I'm just joking. We're not doing it's it. It's the same as Manchester United. It's very, very really similar. Similar crap, really. Yeah, very, very similar. Apart but, from but, Mourinho but, wishes he could start Patrick Reed. Yeah, there's way more backstory <laughs> going on in the Ryder Cup thing. Way more backstory. American fiasco oh, too. Oh my! That, I tell you, that is a podcast. If we could just get some insight, we need an insider. That would be a brilliant podcast. Molly Solomon. Yeah. Head the Golf Channel. We know you're listening. Mm. We ready. By the way, if we had covered that, that would yeah. have been just... I, I did that. I watched the whole Ryder Cup. We very nearly went to Paris and covered that beauty. Uh-huh. That would have just been two days of you laughing at me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> How would that be different than almost any other edition of Men in Blazers? I would have been more at and less with. You're right. It would have been more at. Okay, we've got a pack show. We're going to marvel Can't at Daniel Sturridge's not safe for work last minute 30 yard stonker that left Liverpool and Chelsea tied at one in the game of the season. That's far. We ponder how Zinedine Zidane's English lessons are going after Jose Mourinho and Man United's 3 1 implosion at West Ham. And we study the evolution of Unai Emery's red hot Arsenal. To the football, Rog. Oh, and a toast. I want to raise a glass to the Premier League. And sports in general, David, mm. I mean, in a nation that is clearly divided, sports is one of the few things that can bring us all together. And I will say, waiting for the Premier League this weekend, I just felt like a long-distance swimmer mm. with muscles cramping, with mental fatigue, reaching for the wall at the end of the race. I needed it, and the Premier League delivered. It really did. So I want to raise this, bud fam, blood fam, oh, and drop some of my favourite lines of poetry from Philip Larkin, which feel as important as ever. We should be careful of each other. We should be kind while there is still time. Cheers. And I also want to say, Devo, bad news, by the way, to all listeners. We had deep news from the Salmon Sisters last night. We just got this Salmon Sisters hat, right? We found out what they do on the boat. Yeah, when you say we, Rog, who's been wearing his Salmon Sisters hat continuously. Yeah. Yeah. How would you describe the hat? It's... The when hat's we, lovely. Everyone wants it's everything that's under the hat is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very. It's. A, I, I get more compliments on this hat. Yeah. Uh, than any I've ever worn, other than the Hartford Whalers hat. We didn't know what they did on the boat. They had a business on the boat. What was the business? Were they just laundering money? Were they muling drugs? Were they fishing? Probably not fishing. Probably one of the yeah. the first two. So many questions. We fell in love with the commercial. We brought the hat, like Victor Kayan buying the company because he fell in love with the shavers. And then I got quiet word from inside Microsoft late last night. Yeah. The commercial's never going to be on television again. Because? It's over. Oh. It's done. They pulled it from their ad buy. You will never, ever. Cars for Kids lives on. The Salmon Sisters. <laughs> They're just two girls. One thing on that confuses me about the hat is headwear. that the salmon are all swimming in opposite directions. <laughs> are they salmon? I thought salmon were meant to be going. Yeah, they're salmon. Anyway, on the side it says, rep your water. Don't quite know what that means, what but I'm, I'm down doing. for it. Chelsea won, Liverpool won, Rog, an absolutely electric game of football between two of the Premier League's unbeatens. Just days after propelling Chelsea to victory in a Carabao Cup clash between these sides, Eden Hazard struck again, this time capping a tidy 25th-minute team goal by slapping the ball past Alisson. Liverpool went close to equalising time and time again, and in the end, it was substitute Daniel Sturridge who delivered, oh. uncorking a 30-yard and yes, it was a bomb, but it was also done with finesse. It dipped. That it sailed curved. just over Kepper's it fingertips faded. and into it the sliced. side netting. Liverpool dropped points for the first time this season while both teams remain unbeaten. What an excellent game of football this was. It was. It was just football played with, with just great intention by two teams who played bold attacking, all out, oh, stunning. Oh, what from the off. What a fast start. Both teams charged forward with relish. Liverpool, Liverpooling, Chelsea, sarrying with their quick passes, direct movement, and a shocking confidence. I mean, we, before this game, Sarri was like, I think we're a year behind Liverpool. This was like finding out what weight class Chelsea really were. And I will say I marvel at them because this is a team, Dave, your team. They've changed styles every two years or so, which is like in the NFL having to master a whole new playbook. 
but they're not just great on the field. They are adaptively consistently great. And I really admire that because it's got to be confusing for the players. This, though, is an adaptation not from Mourinho's style of football. Some of the players, obviously, who Mourinho brought in, but an adaptation more from Conte's game. And I think is therefore it sort of goes through an easier translation to go. It's like going from Portuguese to Spanish. It just is like it's not quite as difficult to go from Conte's ball. Very different style. Romance languages. You know, three at the back played within a very, very different system than, than you know, Sarri's base, four at the back. Maybe harder to adjust to defensively than it is offensively, actually, for a lot of these players. <sighs> but that next level piece of midfield wonder were which they undid Liverpool, Dave. Which is to do with the one new player who's been brought into this team, which is Jorginho. Kovacic involved in that play as well, but doing something which they couldn't do. But it was still... Hazard's run, oh my that God. give and go, and just that move. It was it was actually the most stunning moment of that goal was nothing to do with a single pass. It was just the move once he laid off the ball in midfield, his move into space behind the defender. That was yeah. what was so you stunning. Because you know, the, the interplay between David Luiz, Jorginho, Kovacic, it was like that game mousetrap that we yeah. used to play. It was just so beautifully interlocking, syncopated. But you're right. They sprung Hazard, yeah. who skated in faster than Conor McDavid. Just It was like if you watch great movies of the 1970s, the French Connection, when they had car chases and they just suddenly sped up the film, it just with a herky-jerky, suddenly super speed. That's what it looked like as he charged in. I mean, forget Ronaldo and Messi right now. Eden Hazard, in the form of his life, David, would you agree? Certainly, this is the Premier League form of his life. He's operating at levels that only Patrick Mahomes the second in that celestial ether right now. It's just it's otherworldly. There's a feeling, certainly amongst Chelsea fans, that Eden Hazard has not been given an enormous amount of respect by other teams. Big bottomed the, haters. Well, that they they will foul him. They will they will try and charge him off the pitch. But actually, from their fans, like even from the other players, like talking about. You don't often hear people making quotes about Eden Hazard and what a great player he is. You don't often hear fans like... Even you and I are like, mentally, he's on, he's off, he flicks the I've got to tell you, what Eden Hazard is doing this season is making believers, even out of my most hardcore... You know, Liverpool fans are very pro-Liverpool players. They tend to, like, struggle often to go and see the genius in other players, I think would be fair to say. <laughs> I think most of my insane Liverpool-loving friends... Look at Hazard now, certainly after what he did against him this week, first in the Carabao Cup and now in this Premier League fixture. And they're just in awe. And what he is doing, and I was going to say this is to take nothing away from, from Sarri, but it is to take away from Sarri, is if you take Hazard off that team right now and you look at where they'd be, they're in danger of becoming a one-man team. Having said that, it can be no coincidence that Eden Hazard is in the form of his life because he's playing within this system. And when you get your best player playing the best football of his life, and literally destroying other Premier League teams. At will. It. Dissecting opposition bat lines Do you know will. what? That's good management. That is good management. Yeah, because he's not just dissecting opposition bat lines. If you watch him, he's also a true collective player. Hunting down uh, the opposition bat Spike line. Tracking. Pressing, passing. I mean, to me, he's a big bottom Belgian demigod, and I don't like to be hyperbolic. It's impressive to spite track two managers ago. He's yeah. still spite tracking Mourinho, yep. even though there's been two other managers, an interim manager... In, in, in hitting, and there's been Conte in the meantime. He's he's like he's carrying the one on spike tracking yep. over two columns. Matt is still flying down towards Mourinho in his mind from Diego Costa's hands. Look, Liverpool responded, I mean, as well as they could, but Chelsea's threat, it meant that Liverpool's fullbacks couldn't push up as much as they normally like. And there was a rustiness about Liverpool's play for a lot of that first half, best summed up by Mo Salah. Gives me no pleasure to say this, who was at the heart of so many blowing chances for Liverpool Football Club. Trying too hard, perhaps, which is what Klopp has tried to posit. There was one horrible whiff with the goal at his mercy. There was a, an open net missed, albeit from an acute angle. What is going on, Davo, with Egyptian Brady Anderson? He is still, he's still a great player, isn't he? Of course he's a great player, but let's not forget the injury he had in the Champions League final. Let's not forget how that coloured his World Cup, which must have been very disappointing for him. He didn't come off the buzz of a World Cup. It was just it was just a blur. And getting back to fitness, and he still looks incredibly fast. He doesn't look to have lost a step. But it's, it's just handsome. tough. It's just tough coming back from that kind of an injury. 
He obviously didn't have a lot of rehab on it before he was playing again. And I'm sure it's got into his head a little bit. And some of it is mental. He's probably knocking them in for fun in training and he's getting into the actual matches and it's just not coming as easily for him. How he responds to this slightly rough patch, let's call it that, in the crucible of pressure. To me, it's going to be one of the most fascinating stories of the first third of this season. Is Liverpool came out for the second half like a fist. Chelsea sat back, started the chance of luck at forying forward into their spaces left open behind Liverpool's fullbacks. Kepper and Alisson, the two new startling transfer fee goalkeepers, partook in a save-off for about a 20-minute phase. And then Klopp started to shuffle through the substitutions. He wanted Liverpool to be more maybe steroidy and perfectly cubey. So he brought on Shakiri for Salah and then Cater for Jordan Henderson, and then a symbolic testament to their improved squad depth this season, which is really crucial when you think about Liverpool. They did look better without their two stalwarts of last season. Started to dominate that last 20 minutes of the game, Dave. Yeah, without a doubt. Chance after chance. Yeah. And it's also a nature of sitting on a 1-0 lead at home. You're just watching the clock. You're trying to make it happen. The crowd are getting anxious. You're getting anxious. You're not going to attack so much, so you sit back. You get tighter and tighter and tighter. How many times do we see this in games? Perfect cube, Shakiri Swiss wandoed from close range. Yeah. And Bobby Firmino had a header scooped off the line by David Luiz. And I say, Liverpool of old, when I watch this, they would have started to ask themselves, how did we not score? But this Liverpool side, this season, let's just say... Championship seasons are always made of great moments. And the 89th minute of this game, I think, may retrospectively be looked back as one such remarkable moment. Because Liverpool rolled all the dice. They pulled off James Milner, the excellent James Milner. Yeah. Let's just praise that. That is, that is a remarkable storyline. The James Milner documentary that needs to be made about the slow, paint-drying march towards greatness. And on came ex-Chelsea, kind of ex-Liverpool striker, kind of ex-striker. Daniel Sturridge. And within three minutes, David, what happened? I mean, talk about narrative. This guy's storyline. Let's just forget about the fact that he left Chelsea and just even his his storyline at Liverpool from the injuries to the questions asked about him by Jurgen Klopp. Mentally, questions, mentally, questions is he mentally by the tough? owners of what Daniel Sturridge was really made of. But this is a guy who throughout his entire career has figured a way to score goals, and he's always scored great goals. He's also a really good substitute. Was Scored a lot of goals as a substitute at Chelsea, scored a lot of goals uh, as a substitute for England. Remember that amazing goal he came on and scored uh, in Euro 2016? He is just a very skillful player, and to some, to some extent a little bit sad in how much talent he has. And we remember him more for his dance celebrations than we sometimes do for the incredible quality of his finishing and his, and his skill as a footballer. This, this goal was a triumph of creative visualisation. You have to imagine yourself scoring that goal before you attempt to hit it. It wasn't just a stonker. It wasn't just a reflex, you know, Matic-like strike, left-footed, getting your laces on the ball. It was crafted. It was bent. He had a target. That target was the top right corner of the goal. He just hit it so beautifully. Creative visualization only comes from the sense memory of practice, 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 that he's done it so many times. And it was a glorious goal. Even as a Chelsea fan, it was something of beauty. And it's, I love football of beauty. I love football before I love England, before I love Chelsea, Rog. And this was a moment where I kissed football. I I kissed football. It was was a moment of sheer, sheer, sheer beauty. (sighs) Uh, At first, I thought, oh, could Kepa have done better? You watch the replays. Kepa could not have, he could not have done any better. I think the ball sensed where Kepa's hand was, stopped right in front of it, and then just went up a bit, and then recalculated, moved to the right a little bit, and then just kind of, it took about 12 angles. Like the golden snitch. It was a golden snitch, Rog, is what you're trying to say. I mean, that shot was hit with some curl, with some swerve, with some murder, and it wasn't just a brilliant goal for a remarkable man, a fascinating man. You talk about talent not fulfilled. He's like the Josh Hartnett of football. But, oh, sweet, sweet vindication for a gent who was maligned early in his career, who, as you said, fell out of favour with Jurgen Klopp, who doubted his, publicly doubted his mental and physical toughness, found himself, horror of horrors, I mean, like the Night's Night's Watch in Game of Thrones, on loan at West Brom, you are cruelly exposed there, has now scored four goals in seven games. Yes, four goals in seven games. To me, those are come and get me into Miami numbers, David. We will see how significant 
the one additional point gained by Liverpool in that game are at the end of the season. We will see how significant the two dropped points for Chelsea are by the end of the season. But there's no doubt that actually what was perhaps more significant about that goal is that Liverpool, who were invincible until last weekend... Invincible. ...were suddenly having a pretty bad week. Suddenly Chelsea de-Liverpooled them midweek in the Carabao Cup. Did yeah. what nobody thought they could do. They no came from one goal the behind. I tell you, but you're as a fan when you start to think our I team do, are invincible. Way. I do. I know. <laughs> when your team, you think your team are invincible and you see a team come into your home turf and come back from one nil down and win in, you know, in the nature of which Chelsea won. And then had they then gone down to Stamford Bridge and lost another game, I think there would have been a slightly different atmosphere around the club. And it might have been worth more than one point. It could have been larger questions. The blood in the water being sensed by other Premier League opposition. So I think it was hugely significant. Was it a fair result though, David? 1-1, would you say, for both teams? Yes. Or did Chelsea feel aggrieved for conceding late? Or did Liverpool rue the chance after chance that they blew? No, and I think you could just see in the reaction between the two managers at the full-time whistle, the sort of, actually something very, very rare. It actually looked like a genuine hug between two managers, a genuine embrace with no backstory, with no backstabbing, with no narrative, with no like arch... Stuff going on behind Beautiful. the scenes. Two Beautiful. people who genuinely respected each other and felt that it was a fair result. Oh, I, and that, oh, I wish more games ended like this. By the way, my takeaway from this was that Chelsea's title challenge is for real. Like we want to know what weight class they were. I was surprised by this. I, I, I thought Surrey was optimistic last week when he said maybe we're a year behind Liverpool. I thought they were far more than a year transformation project wise behind Liverpool. I thought they were phenomenal in mm. this game, and, and and there is something very real that's happening there. Well, by definition, they have to be more than a year behind Liverpool. And and look, they don't. Jorginho is so key to everything they do, and there's no other player on that squad who can play like Jorginho. And Eden Hazard is so good, and there continues to be rumours about Eden Hazard leaving. And unfortunately, Eden Hazard playing this well does not quiet the rumours of Eden Hazard going to Real Madrid or Barcelona or PSG. It only heightens those rumours. So he's got to be more than a year behind. But you know, this is let's just celebrate great football. We very rarely open the pod by talking about the big narrative game of the weekend and saying, wow, this was a really great game of football. A great game which ended with adrenaline flowing and, as you said, a hug of joy and just mutual respect from two managers, Klopp in his gilet, Sarri, steadfast in his King of Normcore pyjamas. I was breathing so fast at the end. What a game. Best I've experienced in the Premier League since the World Cup. That same sort of ecstatic clash of positive, confident, complex, combative teams colliding in a riveting contest. And it did end it as I wish more great contests did in a hug of collective joy. And I just say, bring on Manchester City, Liverpool yeah. this weekend. I Looking forward. Wait. Certainly the games between the big teams. Chelsea-Arsenal was a great game early this season. Chelsea-Liverpool's been great. I'm just really looking Everton forward now. Great. Hmm. Liverpool, Manchester great. City. Okay, Rog. <laughs> A team that has bounced back. They could be one of the big clubs by the end of the season. West Ham, three. Manchester United, one. Jose Mourinho's men are just flat out battered by the recently resurgent Ironside. A velvety Felipe Anderson flick. A Victor Lindelof own goal. (laughs) And an emphatic Marco Anatovic finish leave Manchester United with their worst start to a Premier League season ever through seven games. Oh, the power battle of the weekend. And I don't mean West Ham. Manchester to beat the one true United. I mean more Mourinho, Pogba, oh, Portuguese Cardi B versus Frenchie, Nicky Minaj, the wheels within wheels, heavyweight fight, the rumble in the bumble, the high stakes game of just manager, player, agent, ego propelled chicken that no grown up seems able or, or maybe willing to start. We'll get into the whole Mourinhoology and the conflict in a minute. But first the game. The big talking point going into it, which everyone's stopped talking about because much more trumped it, but eight months after arriving to the pomp of tinkling pianos that heralded his status <laughs> as the highest paid player in the country, Alexis Sanchez dropped from Manchester United's entire squad. He's going to be great for Guangzhou Evergrande next season, isn't he? Chinese Super League, here I come. But my God, it's been a tough week, David. We, we should talk about the game, which followed the damp squib draw against Wolves, the humiliation against Derby and the Carabao Cup. You can throw in yesterday's damp squib goalless Champions League tie against Valencia. Yeah. But in this game, Mourinho's team just seemed to seemed to fall apart, David, as West Ham just charged down the flanks at will. 
Yeah, and it's so odd. I mean, you're looking at the atmosphere at London Stadium where you've got a team cheering the football, not the rioting, which is just... I'm not, don't know what to do with I'm not show. sure that a lot of the fans wouldn't rather be rioting, but they're, they're, right now, West Ham are playing football that's actually come here for... inspiring them. <laughs> What? To stop writing they, and actually cheer the football. They must be so shocked to watch Mark Noble play football. He's not wedging anybody in the midfield. He's not taking any of the fans out. Yeah. He's not. He's not like grabbing them. He's not thrashing them. This whole it's just turned into a pure athletic spectacle. Who comes for that, Dave? God, they came for that, and Felipe Anderson rewarded them that exquisite flick, which opened the scoring. Manchester United just one clean sheet in their opening seven Premier League games. This is the stat is the most un-Mourinho-esque of all. I mean, six out of seven of their opening games were clean sheets last season. I mean, this is the most under Gea stat, the most un-Mourinho yeah. stat. Yeah. They're doing this with the best keeper in the Premier League. Not named they, Jordan Pickford. Not accounting for size, Rog. De Gea is the, best, <laughs> is the best keeper in the Premier League. They're doing it behind the best keeper. But again and again and again, and you watch the tape of almost every chance that West Ham found, almost, you know, and certainly every goal they scored, and it was just the pace of Manchester United, just being behind the pace again and again, just slow, yeah. not aggressive, and just their back line. Oh my God! So little commitment, so little tempo. I mean, you watch that second goal where Yarmolenko. I mean, luckily he thrashed it off Lindelof. There was nothing you could do to stop it. But then you look at it again, and you see just one hapless United defender with no commitment, just standing there, offering very little cover. And you see where these goals are flying in from. There was so little to enjoy in that first 45 minutes for Manchester United. I mean, just performance-wise, I was trying to name a player who looked like they are actually trying flat out. I mean, you could say Lukaku, maybe, God bless him. Pogba had what's known in the trade as a Patrick Reed of a performance. I was just shocked at how unmotivated United's players seemed. I mean, you, you would have thought, at the very least, Davo, half of them would have been playing their little hearts out to try and impress the Juventus scouts. I guess what that leads to is a sense that, hey, these are great players who are being, and I'm sure a lot of United fans would like to have it this way, these are great players who are not being motivated by a manager or the system he's trying to play. But I look a little bit and say that, what's developed in football and what Jurgen Klopp's doing, what Sarri's doing, what Pochettino has done, is you're looking at all of the opposition and certainly happening across Europe, is you have teams that either have speed in the middle or they have speed down the flanks. They got one of the two. And Man United have neither. Their fastest player is Luke Shaw. And most of the highlights of this season have involved Luke Shaw down the left wing. And they don't have like a playmaker in the middle who's moving the ball, who's moving the game at speed. Pogba, even at his best, Pogba is a little lumbering. He needed Mbappe to look that good at the World Cup and some other very Griezmann, some very, very quick players around him. There just isn't any speed around the United side. And so a player like Matic, who everybody says, oh, I can't believe Chelsea gave away Matic. Even when he's working his ass off, which he doesn't look like he is, he's not a player blessed with speed. And so across that team, Sanchez was not a player. I think on an Arsenal side with speed all around him, Sanchez like was released he has more space on that man united side there's no speed giving anybody a chance no speed no evident continuous tactical game plan you look at manchester city we'll talk about in a minute they just score signature manchester city goals and then score the close the game down yeah i mean united name a signature manchester united goal under Mourinho, and you just kind of i, I defy you i will say I'm saying Rash- lindelof's own goal <laughs> jones own goal yeah. take your pick yeah rashford's goal by the way this is how sad united's performance was it was a stunning, yeah. a stunning, a volley off a corner, yeah. uh, a flick yeah. from an acute angle. Near post, into, wonderful goal. No one cares. It's ultimately meaningless. And Anatovic killed off the game, the 12th goal that United have conceded this season. Mourinho's third loss in seven games. United, their joint worst start after seven games since 1990. David Moyes, yeah, let's remember him and raise my bird, 2013-14. And you're seeing a man with Mourinho... He's got nowhere to hide at this point. He's poked so many of his players in the eye. He has so few places left to turn. The list of players he's alienated is longer than the team sheet. It really is. The grid, Luke Shaw, Martial, Alexis, even Marcus Rashford, who's been singled out for blame recently. And aside from Pogba, um, who is the big story, underneath that, there's just, there's just a culture, a morale, which is US Ryder Cup team bad. Yeah. And all Mourinho can do is aggravate Davo. He's no healer. Yeah, he's no, no, he's, not. he's no peacemaker. He's born to inflame. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I wonder what percentage of United fans would prefer, like Josie, to Jose, or even maybe 
Jose Cuervo mm -hmm. coming into manager. I, I do want to read this out before we, we talk about what for Manchester United and how long Jose and what next. At C, Demon45 tweeted us and said, Love you guys, but the Manchester United hate is strong with you both. Hmm. And I, wow. I want to address that and then wow. get into what next for you. Well, I think as if it had been Arsenal, that would have been fair until this season when I actually quite like Arsenal. But Man United, I actually quite like Man United. I've always liked Man United. And I've been one of the last defenders of Jose Mourinho. I still think it's going to be difficult for the board to sack him unless they've got a replacement. You can't. You can't replace him with like a young up-and-comer from across Europe. You can't put that person into that job. They need a massive, bold-faced name to replace Jose Mourinho. Or they need a, Arena is available. Or they need a Hiddink-like situation. They need a big-name caretaker. But I don't think you're going to rip Gus Hiddink away from the Chinese under-21s <laughs> where he's flying his trade right now. You're saying you take no pleasure in this? Uh, no pleasure at all. And I've been... I like Man United. I like Man United being good. I pick them... Uh, to finish in the top four again. I like a lot of those players. See, I don't like them. Yeah, I, I do. like the New York Yankees who are playing tonight against GFOP, Billy Beans at uh, Athletics. Yeah, Come it's on, a big do game it, tonight. Do it for Jason Giambi's failed slide memory ace. I'm rooting for you. Mm -hmm. I feel better in the world when the Yankees are eliminated. That's like a great... And you feel the same thing about United. You know, you know I, don't, I don't care for, but I do want to say, and I'll get to why in a second, uh -huh. we don't script right what happens on the field. Just, <laughs> just like... With Arsenal over the past few seasons, we can only talk about what happens week in, week out. We 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 can't fan fiction the narrative for you at CD Moan forty five, and and United are in a dark place right now. They really are. I, I want to talk about how dark from my perspective, and I also want to say, if you watch United in their pomp under Sir Alex Ferguson, when they literally could enforce their will on opponents and win the league almost by right. And even if they conceded in a game, you know, Aston Villa would score early, United would. And Wayne Rooney was in yesterday saying, you know, we could score for form. You have no idea unless you saw them at that peak. What a shocking, sad state of affairs this is in contrast to that. It's a facsimile of a facsimile of what they were. Yeah. Yet still, I mean, they, I, they are an unparalleled global marketing machine. They really are. They truly have an official potato snack partner. They do. They have a tractor engine partner. Really, they do. And the chaos that surrounds them, to me, in the boardroom, in the managerial selections of Moyes, Van Gaal, to Mourinho, in the transfer market, where if, it just feels like the... And if you speak to people in football, this is a problem with United. The marketing department is ultimately making so many of the footballing decisions. And they are so cursed by their past. They're so cursed by that past, even though it's the, the whole club is built on that past and built on the Ferguson era. They're so cursed by it because the game has moved on. They were doing this in an era where Manchester City were not this, you know, a huge crosstown rival where the Premier League hadn't made everybody rich. You look at those Man United teams of, of, of your, yeah, they had the hard midfield enforcers. They had players of great skill. Didn't always do it with great speed, by the way. But it's like you, you just can't, you can't play that kind of football in the Premier League anymore. No one can beat up everybody. There, there are too many good teams up and down the league to go and dominate in that way, and they just haven't adjusted. And if you if you saw them when they were that great team with yeah. a, with a local core of boys who yeah, come through absolutely. through the United and knew the United way and police that training pitch and that locker room because they knew the Manchester United way. Your Gary Neville's, your Ryan Giggs, your In Paul Scholes, Nicky Butts. It, it's it's truly remarkable to see how far they've fallen. A fall which to me. You know, has the American owners, the Glazers at the heart of it. They make the decisions. They appoint Woodward, Ed Woodward, to oversee the football operations. They sign off on the managerial decisions. They sign off on the transfers. And they're ultimately responsible. Under their watch, the identity of the club is in danger of being lost right now. That's the battle. Yeah. A bit like for Apple post-Steve Jobs with Sir Alex going. And it's Gary Neville who said it most articulately. This mess started when United sacked David Moyes after eight months. We lost all sense of the values that the club had been built on for 100 years. It's not the manager. It's a lack of football leadership above him. They're bouncing all over the place with no plan. Yeah, and now continuing to bounce. They now are in a situation where no doubt they want to get rid of Jose Mourinho. But what on earth do they do? Who? Are, uh, by the way... Do you know how crazy it is? I was even thinking, I wonder if they're going to try and get Frank Lampard from Derby after they beat them in the Carabao Cup. I mean, it's like they need to do something that actually gets a headline and feels significant. And you just, you, unless they get Failable. Zizou, unless he's yeah. going to come in. Who, by the way, is taking photos of himself in London in front of every red object, buses, telephone boxes that he can find, David. To be fair, I can't think of many blue objects in London. 
everything of note in London is red. Blue is not a colour unless Stamford you got a Stamford Bridge. Bridge. That's it. <laughs> that would be weird if, if he went and posted in front of Stamford Bridge. But it's a, it, it's a, but yeah, they've maybe got, no got, coincidence. Maybe got to do no something because to me, United are too big a brand to write off an entire season. They but, just cannot do. Who that. else, if not Zidane? Bruce Arena, Big Sam, both available. <laughs> okay, Can we just say for one quick minute, yeah. West Ham fans? Yeah, oh, West Ham fans. We cannot just talk about this as a Manchester United the, loss. We have to. The we team have to of US late night budget. television with James Corden and Seth Meyers, Rog. Oh, you've got to get Colbert yeah. on board and, yeah. and your biggest dreams may be possible. I will say with every win, I get great pleasure in this. Manuel Pellegrini seems to look younger and younger with every win, David. Wow. He looks about 73 right now. It's beautiful to see <laughs> the years rolling off him. But four straight defeats, yeah. we mourn them. You know, that now seems like a distant memory, West Ham fans. And I'm so happy for you. You lost four in a row. And now you've got seven points out of nine against three of the biggest teams in football. Chelsea, Manchester United, Everton Football Club. Your team, they play fantastically to plan. A plan that worked against Mourinho. And I'll say this to you, West Ham fans. Enjoy every single moment. You deserve it. And then some football produces so many emotions. And I think... You'll agree you've experienced all of them yeah. over the past seven weeks. And you'll lose again, and you'll be able to write at the London <laughs> Stadium and tear it apart. Give the people what they want. Okay, Rog, Manchester City 2, Brighton and Hove Albion nil. A relatively lazy effort from the scriptwriters in this one. See City scoop another routine win behind goals from Raz, speed, and Sergio Aguero, speed. The sky blue half of Manchester speed. is again atop the Premier League. Level on points with Liverpool, but ahead on goal difference. Oh, Man City, don't it? <sighs> The Premier League's industrial complex. Yeah, they're like the Borg from the old Star Trek, Rog. Yeah, I mean, why did... Poor little Brighton, plucky, doomed, torn apart, without Man City really having to Mm. flex. They didn't try too hard. They didn't have to. They just did the business and ascended to their iron throne at the top of the table. They only had to play two tracks from their greatest hit signature goal album. The first... Their lightning quick counter-attacking transition finished by a clinical pass from winger to winger. Yeah. Raz. Oh, fourth time this season. He's not whiffed, fallen over or blowing the ball over the bar, but instead I mistakenly know. tapped it home from yeah, close we have, range. We have seen him miss from there. We have. <laughs> Producer J-Dubs described the Raz goal. He texted me, he said, Raz is like the kid who holds the gun right up to the screen in the old Nintendo game Duck Hunt. <laughs> Can't miss <laughs> if you put yourself in the right position. Point blank. So good. <laughs> and the game ended... Just with delirious City fans chanting, and I love this, Jose Mourinho, we want you to stay. Yeah. <laughs> Moving right into there, we've got Guardiola. As Pep just shut his team down and waited for the Hoffenheim win midweek, which was an oddly early, important, must-win Champions League game. Yeah, absolutely. With glory delivered by David Silva, their, their greatest player. Yeah. Delivering in the greatest moment. Arsenal 2, Watford nil. Another win for the manager whose name is 66% vowels. We're being generous and counting the Y. Unai Emery's men go fifth thanks to a late Craig Cathcart own goal. And Mesut Ozil finished. Smiling Mesut Ozil, Rog. They're just four points off Liverpool and City. God, five straight Premier League wins for Arsenal Football Club. Can we see this again? This is sick. This is not a mistake. SIC. Five straight Premier League wins for Arsenal Football Club, David. This one, ending in chance of Deeney, what's the score? Deeney, Deeney, what's the score? From the delirious Arsenal faithful aimed at the Watford striker, Fat Drake. Choi Deeney. Who last season had accused their boys of lacking cojones. I mean, Watford, again robust, again collective, but after their sprinting start to the season, now four games without a win with three, let's just say, close games all ending in defeat. But wow, this this was remarkable, David, because it all happened when Emery pulled off, soon to depart Aaron Ramsey, with a Wobie. A Wobie coming on, David, and it changed the game. Yeah, we're a Wobie's team now. We are a Wobie's. We got Wobie's. Wobie's is going to say. It's some come down, though, isn't it, from like Thierry Henry. We're Thierry's team now. That begat. We're Seth's team now, which begat. We're RVP's team now. Yeah. Which began, I don't even know. There was We're some, Theo's team yeah, now. Yeah, Theo's team now. And then you can go on and on and on. Wobes team Michael now. Michael <laughs> Cohen, my Arsenal supporting mate, not the dastardly lawyer, yeah. but my mate, is yet to text me those words. And I, I know you listen, Michael. When you text me, we are Wobes team now, is really a day which Arsenal are going to move to the true promised land. I will say, Arsenal fans, though, it's kind of eerie. They don't know how to act. When Mesut Ozil scored... 
what was that strange grimace-like emotion that took over his face, David? I think it was a smile or a laugh. It looked like joy. And it felt like we hadn't seen it there in years. In fact, Arsenal, without the complaining, David, without the self-loathing, without the angst, what are they? Because to me, it's like meeting a friend who's had bariatric surgery and just completely unrecognisable to their former selves. And what is poor Arsene Wenger making of this as he's watching from <laughs> home wearing his Arsenal warm-up shirt with his Gunnosaurus badge. I just I just don't know what he could be making of this. The answer is not the manager. It's, it will be his form. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely. Is absolutely. It can be the only logic of one note of significance. Peter Cech pulled a hamstring at the end of the first half, ushering in the debut of Burnley. Now, a changing of the guard for a Premier League legend. Huddersfield nil, Tottenham two. Two Harry Kane goals, Rog. A towering header and a penalty kick lifts Spurs past the lowly Terriers. David Wagner's men are one of just three teams that haven't won this season. Spurs, meanwhile, back in the top four after back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Sorry, just back-to-back wins. Spurs are born a Kane. Sorry for the dad joke. Two goals in eight minutes after taking a bit of time to wake up, but it doesn't take too much to down a willing... Yeah, Blunt, Huddersfield there. Oh, Terriers still, but a bit more Bichon Frise than they were last season. Seven games now without a win, unable to score at home all season, barely able to conjure a shot on target. And bottom of the table, I take no joy in this on two points. Harry Kane, though, Dave. You Imagine. haven't been wearing your Terriers hat enough this season. You've been wearing that Salmon Sisters hat yep. way too much. You need to get that Terriers back hat into back rotation. on. Yeah. Oh, it's got ears, little floppy ears yeah. that come down. It's... Um, it's, it's a tough it's look, a look to pull off. <laughs> it's a look. It's a look. It's a look. But yeah, Harry Kane. It's a child Rush. extra large. Harry Kane scoring again and yeah, scoring I... very Harry Kane goals. Imagine how many he'd score if he wasn't like, you know, exhausted. Yeah. You're sleepwalking. Dave, oh, huge game this afternoon now against Barcelona. Can't wait for that one. Wolves 2, Southampton nil. The team making a bid to be this season's Cinderella story. Punish the perpetually middling Saints. Central Everton in the Carabao Cup. Goals in the last 20 minutes from Ivan Colo and Atletico Madrid Loney. Johnny! Johnny! Have Nuno's men in ninth place. Oh, I bet they've trademarked Johnny and they've got yeah. Johnny.com. It's got a lot of marketing possibilities. Mm. Wolves have just one defeat in seven. Clap, clap, clap. Looking like a solid shout. For Europe and Saints, oh, your stealth team in struggle. Won just one and lost four of the last seven Premier League matches with Chelsea, the South Coast derby against Bournemouth and Manchester City in three of their next four games. Newcastle nil, Leicester two. Goals from the Premier League's George and Lenny, Vardy and Slabby. See the Foxes kick already down Newcastle. The tune have still yet to win a game this season. And they don't look in danger of doing so anytime soon. I am tired of repeating the same storyline as yet another takeover. Rumour swirls around Newcastle. Rafael Benitez continues the slowest departure from a club. It's been like three years and counting as he continues to brief journalists that he's about to ditch the club. Can't take it any longer. Oh, that moment, if Rafa did leave, would leave a distressed asset in truly exposed position. Almost Sunderland-esque it would be, Newcastle, without Rafa. Truly darkness on the edge of Toon. Burnley 2, Cardiff 1. The Clarets reel off their second win in a row against the Cardiff team, whose Premier League campaign appears to just be a semester abroad from the Championship. They have just two points in their first seven games. Cardiff already looking doomed. You can take away the Welsh fans' hope, but you can never take away their sense of humour. They spent the whole game in this one against Burnley, chanting, England's number four at Joe Hart. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually probably being generous. <laughs> he had the last laugh, and he ended the game by giving the thumbs up for victory to the Canton stand. I love that. England's number four. Bournemouth two, Crystal Palace one, Rod. The Cherries bounced back from last week's drubbing at Burnley to see off Roy Hodgson's mob at the Vitality. The game was still tied in the 87th minute when junior Stanislas stood up and converted from the spot to send big carts and mini carts home oh, happy. Flip. Eddie Howe's mob up to seventh, Rog. Everton, three. Uh, three big boy goals. Yeah. Fulham, nil. Two guilty goals highlight an emphatic Everton win. I just said emphatic Everton win. As all real hip-hop heads will tell you, Siggy Smalls is the illest. <laughs> I will say, thanks to everyone that 
tweeted me to, to just say how wise I am that I predicted in the Raven that Everton would win this game 3-0. I did write that this game would end 3-0 in the Raven. It was oddly phrased. I actually intended in the Raven that it would be Fulham absolutely obliterating Everton. 3-0. So I was absolutely delirious. I mean, I needed joy this weekend. I did. I'll be honest. I needed. I craved. I, I, I may have expired without joy. And the cosmos just provided it because everything went right. Gilfie, Sigurdsson, reborn. Just four minutes and 18 seconds after he thundered a penalty off the crossbar, he redeemed himself, whipped the ball into the corner to give oh, Everton the lead against defensively challenged Fulham. Even that big-hearted duffer, Jenk Tosin, scored. Our teensy Brazilian Bernard looked like a cunning little street urchin. And after just one win in his first six long, bloody, oh, searing games, Marco Silva, who was starting to feel the heat a little bit, was able to deliver the glory that we craved. The highlight for me, Jordan Pickford shutting down Luciano Vieto on a one-on-one. He exploded through the forward. It was like watching an English Khalil Mack. And then he celebrated full ball with just this fist pump, this crazy English people. We're so bad at fist. With the face we pull when we do the fist pump, it's so, it's like... Although, although we're starting to get better at it. We are. One of the real highlights for me about the Ryder Cup yeah. was watching Tommy Fleetwood, uh, another Everton fan, need to be, oh. Tommy Fleetwood celebrating, watching like how hard Poulter is guaranteeing victory and going out there and doing it. Like English people are starting to like be able fist to pump. do these things. Yeah, it's come like back at really me, bro, odd. when you can properly fist pump. I will say, when he fist pumps so giddily, it was just, I realised why I watch football for human moments like that. Tommy Fleetwood, I want Everton Tommy, to be able to... Tommy, 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 Tommy Fleetwood. <laughs> oh, I just want, I, I would love Everton to sub him on. He's possibly the greatest Everton player of the season. He gets I, low in his squat as well. I mean, oh. did you see that celebration in an incredibly low squat? Yeah, we're, oh. we're, born, we're born to do that in Liverpool. Really? Yeah, we've got very low centres of gravity. Mm-hmm. We're, yeah, we're all children descendants of bog men. But, oh, Gilfie reborn. Everton win. And then the Chicago Bears are rampant. And Mitch Trubisky just has morphed into Sid Luckman reborn. My dark side about this weekend, Dave, 2018 may have peaked for me. <laughs> Is it all downhill for Rog, do you think? I mean, yes, with the perpetual (laughs) cloud raining over your head, I think it almost certainly is. Okay, Roger, in MLS. MLS. Things are getting tight, tight in the supporters' shield race, Rog. This weekend, New York Red Bull saw off Atlanta United 2-0 to climb within a point of the first place five stripes. Many of those involved in that race also on the USA's roster for the upcoming international break. We got another international break coming. We do. God, we need one. You asked for it, you're getting it. And temporary US coach Dave Sarakan called up his babies again for the upcoming friendlies against Colombia and Peru. Roster's average age, 23 years, 168 days. And that includes the returning Michael Bradley, who at the age of 31 is going to feel a bit like, I'm guessing, Billy Madison returning to third grade or Will Ferrell in old school, just like hanging out in that locker room with all these, how do you do, fellow kids? It's going to be just like that for him in that locker room. Big news, still no call-up for Rog. Dave Sarakamp, I know you may have lost my cell number, so let me just give it again. I know you're listening. My number is 1877-CARS-4KIDS. Oh, you're running that what? Ponzi scheme. Yeah, I'm in on it now. By the way, I was chatting to Jaders about that. 1877-CARS-4KIDS. I've just realized, isn't that one too many numbers for a phone number? It's just a crazy life mystery. Yeah. What does that extra number do, whatever the S is? I bet you on when you phone up, they have an option, which is um, number one, if you want to speak to an operator, number two, if you want to hear this message again, number four, whatever the S is, the extra yeah. S is, if you want to bequeath your will to one of the hundred cars for kids. Yeah, no, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the US men's national team, Rod, you recorded a pod with New York Red Bull's Tyler Adams, oh, in which he talks Tyler, about his desire to captain Tyler, Tyler. his country and his journey from ball boy to hometown hero. That's on our iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Tyler, 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 Adams. <laughs> in other news from these shores, the CONCACAF Women's Championship kicks off this Thursday. The eight-team tournament serves as World Cup qualifying with the top three teams heading to France. Yeah, we remember this from last time. Every time we interviewed <laughs> a US women's national team player and we talked about how they were going to do in the World Cup, they'd be like, oh, we're not going to look we're past not qualifying. We're not, not looking past qualifying. We're, we're not going to look past the big Barbuda game. Yeah, exactly, because um, they have Antigua too. The US's group <laughs> stage games will be against Mexico Thursday at 7.30pm Eastern Time on FS2. Sunday against Panama 
at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on FS1. And next Wednesday against not only Trinidad, Rog, but also Tobago. This is payback. This is payback at 7.30 p.m. Oh, Eastern Time on I've FS2. I've got to tell you, too soon. It still hurts when you said that. What date is that? Is that October the 10th? Is that in the exact year anniversary of our next National Wednesday. Darkness? Oh, my God. Next Wednesday it is. It's October the 10th. God, CONCACAF scriptwriters. Good job. You're a bit on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, your Premier League weekend looks like this. It kicks off Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern time with Brighton hosting Manuel Pellegrini's men. And the undefeatables. He might be down to 72 by next weekend. Then Saturday <laughs> at 12.30, Man United begin to try and bail out the rapidly rising water against Newcastle. And Sunday, it's an absolute club banger with second place Liverpool hosting first place Manchester City at 11 a.m. Eastern time. All of those games are on the NBC family of networks. Let's have a prophetic shot of Jägermeister Rog to see what this weekend holds. What is your Jägermeister telling you, Rogelio? Oh. Cheers, Dave. Oh, God, that made me feel amazing. Made me feel alive, if only for a minute. Oh, this Jägermeister shot tells me that we are in for a treat on Sunday. A game of football like the Chelsea-Liverpool match that is played the right way by two teams who both want to win and will go all out to do so. I've got a feeling that the wise old bald head of David Silva is going to make a difference in this one. A legend who will step up in an all-time Shootout Barnstormer, which will feature, this is the Jägermeister talking, not Roger, a couple of John Stone's own goals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's amazing. <laughs> you might have, you might have, there might have been a little bit of um, a spit back into the Jägermeister of your own venom, which you then swallowed. Oh, okay, here we go, Roger. and joy. Here we go, here we Get go. Get in there. <laughs> okay. Wow. Very distinct flavor here, Roger. Taste of a monomonicered Brazilian goalkeeper. Could mean Alisson. Could mean Ederson. I see one of them being the difference in this one. Could be a howler, Rog. Might not be a great save. <sighs> I see City winning it 3-2. You do? Yeah, I do. <sighs> Michael Bloom's going to be crying again. <laughs> okay, there are many. That's my Liverpool supporting mate. There are many other ways to connect to Who us. Who did being Liverpool? Our now extinct Amazon Emporium, which has transformed into the Men and Blazers Bald Mart. Anytime you buy something big or small from the Bald Mart, we get a tiny percentage that allows us to produce additional, albeit suboptimal content. What are you putting in the Bald Mart this week, Roger? A book! Oh, my word. Lake Success by Gary Steingart. I adore Gary Steingart at his best, as he is in the Russian Debutant's Handbook and Super Sad True Love Story. He's one of the most insightful, dark, yet hilarious human beings currently breathing on the face of the planet. This book, an attempt to kind of plumb the crevices of our nation at this time of political upheaval, as told by the slightly tall tale of a hedge fund manager running away from his own failures uh, by taking a Greyhound bus trip right across America. It's not Gary at his best. But Gary, not at his best, is still a riveting read about the dark side of ambition, coveting, and the dark side of everything we've been told is the American dream. Essentially, the book lives out the lyric I love from the Jason Isbell song, Hope the High Road. That line, I used to want to be a real man. Don't know what that even means. The questions it asks this book, they've stayed with. Very good news, even though suddenly we've gone a pod without you talking about our, our trip to Britain. Yeah, and, Operation uh, Overlord, I'm working Operation on it. Overlord. I've almost I've got a new a recruit for Operation Overlord. Go on, is it a Moroccan gardener? It's one of the our TSA heroes uh, in the pre-check line at LAX, came to our LA show, yeah. saw me coming down the pre-check line, it's yeah. like, Devo, I hear <laughs> as, I, as, as I go down the line. Had a little talk, talk about football, talk about when we're going search. back to a little strip search. Little how's your father? Purely <laughs> voluntary. How is my prostate? No, and as he's as he's talking to me, as he's strip searching me, yeah. he says, Davo, you know, yeah, way less bald in person. Yeah. Stealthy Check. tall. Yeah. Stealthy tall, the two tropes I always get. And then a third one, which is probably the third one I get quite a lot at, when I meet GFOPs. Yeah. You smell good, Davo. You smell good. What, what a setup. What, what a setup. What? What are you wearing? What cologne are you wearing? Yeah. And by the way, you've got to be very careful. Young men listening, old men also, but young <laughs> men, Manuel Pellegrini, old young men. You have to be very, very careful with cologne. Cologne, more, way more people damage themselves. Way more young men damage themselves with cologne than help themselves. Half a bottle of Dreconor is too much. <laughs> that is too much. You need something, a really delicate scent and yeah. something that you can just wear a little of. I couldn't agree more. And it, it can't be too florid. It's got to be like 
just just got to be just delicate. It's got to be pleasing. I don't, if, I don't know you, what florid means, but I'm nodding. But if if you get it right, maybe a little bit fruity, yeah, maybe a little bit of nature. But you've, you've got if you get it right, just the right amount of cologne, it's going to work for you in many ways. I've worn this pretty consistently. For the last, I'd say, fifteen years, oh. certainly without the throughout the entire Men in Blazers era. I'm on tender hooks. It's Aqua de Palma, the blue Mediterranean. Of course, uh, it is. I wear the Arancia di Capri. I think that's the orange of Capri. So it's a little bit fruity, a little bit citrusy. But I just put a tiny. I mean, Rod, where do you put it's it? Literally, just on your on, anus? No, just no, not my anus. <laughs> just goes on my neck. But the tiniest little. The tiniest little squirt. You only need a little bit of the Aqua de Palma, Blue Mediterranean, Arancia di Capri. You, you can get it, it at Nordstrom's. I've, I've never drunk it, Roger. I've never drunk that. I would not recommend drinking it. Honestly, that's what I use. It's good. It lasts forever because you just use a tiny, weeny, weeny little bit. Get the one less than four fluid ounces because you want to be able to fly with it. You get the little one so when you travel to go and watch your favourite MLS or... On Operation Overlord. On Operation too. Overlord. But we got a TSA guy to yep. travel with us yep. to, to, to expedite us all through security. Oh, that was amazing. I prepare more for what I'm going to put into the board mart than any other element. I had a whole setup. I had a whole setup, a whole payoff. A story, a setup, it was everything. beautiful. I use, if anyone wants to know, I, I'm not a big... Don't, I don't nobody, re- nobody I, wants to know. I <laughs> I don't use a lot. I don't really like the smelling stuff. I do use it on very rare occasions. I use, I don't shave very often, but I use the Nivea balm, which I love. But if for special occasions when I'm feeling saucy, yeah, I splash on a little bit around under my armpits. Of what? Uh, of uh, Erda Salmon Sisters. <laughs> it's fishy. <laughs> okay, Rog, you can follow us. <laughs> On Twitter at Men and Blazers at Embassy Davies at Rog Bennett on Instagram at Men and Blazers at Embassy underscore Davies Facebook Men and Blazers you can always send your ravens to the crap part of so you can always email us at Men and Blazers at Gmail We got a book Rog the Encyclopedia it's Blazer amazing. Britannica it's really uh, amazing keep it's on buying words. it it's keep got... on buying it Buy we're it still we're still I believe we're the number one comedic encyclopedia in the world on on a website that rhymes with Amazon it's also available in all good bookstores uh, bookstores bookstores all bookstores uh, Vanderpunk Rog War Pig Bookstar. I like snacks. Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria. Balls lose. To tweed. Abrogado, rock on, mate. Kung fu fighting America. And Europe. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. Tommy, Tommy. Tommy, Tommy. Tommy, Tommy. Tommy, Tommy. Fleetwood. Fleetwood. <laughs>